0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Bowers awaits the shotgun snap, sends the tight end in motion. They roll right. Bowers throws pass. It's not complete. It. Eli Sullivan knocks the football away, and the Huskers have a goal line
1: stand, taking over at the
0: line. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome to our Friday show. Congratulations. You've made it through another week. Now into a weekend in the month of October. How's that feel for you? Pretty cool, and we should say our hearts go out to the Cubs fans. Ben, as their
2: season is over. Two and a- Miami Marlins, baby. Just can't with them. Two and Q. They'll pop up and get you. The fish. Yep. They're out of here. Hard to believe that, uh, you know. I saw a stat that was something crazy about <clears throat> Baez, Bryant, Rizzo are combined like nineteen of one hundred and forty in the postseason since winning the World Series. Like just astronomical. What? Holy small moly. <laughs> Yeah, like wow. under like, like batting under one twenty. That's unbelievable. Those three.
0: Well, you weren't here last night, but we had, we had a face-off question about the most successful franchises in Major League Baseball of winning series. And the, the Marlins franchise is number one. They've never lost a series, and they can add to that total now. They'll go play the Braves. Are you surprised that, that more of these three-game series didn't go the distance? I mean, we've got, we had one in the American League, and we have one in the National
2: League is all we got. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I am a little surprised at the lack of uh parity I suppose I mean I can't always say that because there are, uh, there have been some upsets but you know we always say baseball is one of those uh those sports that tend to work themselves out over a three game stretch but yeah a handful of 2-0s which I didn't expect yeah. Seven of the nine
0: went two O's. And uh, so the DS rounds will begin on Monday. Tim mentioned the Cardinals Padres. They're one of the two series that did go the distance. they did just getting underway at Petco Park in San Diego. Glad you're with us here tonight. We did hear from the head football coach earlier today, and we're going to play back some of those clips for you later on this hour. The biggest news thing that came out of it, Ben, was a tough blow for Braxton Clark, a, a young defensive back that I was certainly excited about. He had shown... Some flashes the last couple of years. He was a sophomore, redshirt sophomore now in the program. And with Lamar Jackson's departure from graduation, and congrats to Lamar who got a lot of playing time last night for the Jets. Good for him. Um, Braxton injures a shoulder. Looks like his season is over. That's that's a tough tough break for him because I think it was this kind of was his time to start to shine for the Big Red.
2: Yeah, Braxton was was high on my list of guys that I expected to make a huge jump this year. Uh, both in terms of playing time and in production, you know we saw glimpses last year. he had the pick last year um saw glimpses of it, and he was nebraska 's kind of backup plan when they had some issues at corner with injuries and and others and other things when I mean, the decap was bouncing around at safety there for a few games and <clears throat> Braxton was the first guy that they called upon to come in and fill that spot and that 's really tough news today to hear that and to see that um Especially out for the entire season already. Um, I mean, I know this year doesn't count towards eligibility anyway, but this could have been a huge growing process for him of you know locking down that uh, assuming other other starting spot. Not sure you know if Cam Taylor Britt's going to be one you know starting nickel or is he going to be out there a corner? We're not quite sure where he's going to be lined up at, but you know Braxton was was next in line to grab that spot, and now it's going to be a bunch of young guys, as Coach Frost alluded to today it's going to be a bunch of players that you know aren't even as proven as Braxton that are going to get that crack and oh, how big is the late addition of Nadab
0: Joseph the junior college corner that Nebraska added to the roster in August makes his presence now really big because that certainly opens up a spot that he can go compete for and be a part of it and nebraska had a tremendous young Crop of DBs that entered the program a year ago, most of them redshirted. Quentin Newsom did not. He played enough on special teams that he did not. And the good news today was that he's back. He hurt an hurt an arm back in July. Thought he probably wasn't wasn't going to play this year. But now that the season isn't starting until late October, he he's back and practicing. So he'll have a chance to be in there as well. But nabbing Joseph late in the year and hanging with him letting him get his credits at the junior college level to be academically eligible to come to Nebraska now may really pay off because he could certainly have a huge role for the Huskers moving forward. Again, our full practice report coming up here in a couple of minutes. Also, later on this hour, we'll continue our trek around the Big Ten as we get ready to finish that series off before the season starts. We'll check in on the Maryland Terrapins getting ready for year number two under Coach Locksley. They are not on Nebraska's schedule this year, but – As we go around the Big Ten, we cover everybody regardless whether Nebraska is playing them or not. So tonight's edition is Maryland. We'll have that for you later on in the hour. We'll have our top 25 picks for the week. Some really interesting matchups this week, particularly in the SEC with that Auburn-Georgia game. Interested in seeing how we all come down uh, picking that game. We'll do that in hour number two. We'll also hear from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. Uh, previewing the upcoming weekend for the National Football League. That's an hour number two. Third hour, we'll have our weekend preview. Ben lays out all the big sporting events for us for the weekend. Andy Weingarten, our horse racing handicapper, will be with us in the third hour. You might have missed this. I kind of did until a couple days ago, but the third leg of the Triple Crown is tomorrow. It's the Preakness <clears throat> being run tomorrow afternoon. We don't have a chance for a Triple Crown winner, as Tis the Law got beat at the Derby a couple of weeks ago after winning the Belmont back in June, but we'll see how Andy handicaps this race. We'll have that for you in the third hour. We'll have our weekend review and our winners and losers of the week as well. How about Lamar Jackson being activated, Ben? Good for him. Undrafted, a free agent with the Jets. They had some injuries in the secondary. He not only was activated, he played a ton in the game last night.
2: Yeah, I didn't watch the game live, so I had to go back and rewatch it today. Um, And you know, watching him for three years, you can tell immediately, you know, his, his uh, mannerisms pre-snap haven't changed. And so I could tell him, you know, I didn't even look for a jersey number, just the way that he, you know, approaches the line of scrimmage. He's done that, you know, his entire career. So it was easy to pick him out. Um, and man, he played great. It was great to, he broke up a pass, um, shed a block for a tackle. It wasn't quite a TFL, but it was close and I understand he's playing for one of the worst teams in the NFL right now but this is a great opportunity for him to prove his worth um, as a as a National Football League uh, corner and it was so awesome to see him out there I know that's been kind of his dream since he got to campus in Lincoln is to go be a pro and last night was his first opportunity his first chance to be a pro and I thought he acquitted himself very well so yeah it was great to see him out there it was great to see him compete and you know even though um, you know the jets themselves as a franchise are in a bit of a shambles right now. You know, I thought I thought it was awesome to see him out there and you know, he didn't look outmatched, he didn't look, you know, like he didn't belong out there. He made made some nice plays and yeah, I mean, I, I was I was very happy to see him out there. There were some mistakes. He
0: he he couldn't bring Gordon down on the on the touchdown after the the the, the Broncos had taken over at that point. The game was kind of pretty much decided at that point, but you know melvin gordon 's hard attack on the open field, we all know that, and then there was one other pass that was completed over the top of him. I think he got confused. I think he would thought there was going to be safety help over the top there wasn 't probably his mistake would be my guess. He probably didn 't have the right coverage in his mind, but that's to be expected. A rookie out there, no preseason for him at all to kind of get his feet wet. I mean, to get your feet wet in an actual game is not an easy thing to do. So I'm really happy for him. He got his chance to do that, and, and hopefully he gets many, many more. Also tonight, we've got game two of the NBA Finals. Man, the Lakers put the hammer down on the heat the other night, took them the last three quarters at a bio not going to play tonight for the Heat. Looks like a real uphill battle. This NBA Finals could be over in, in a hurry. And as always, we invite you to be a part of the program at 531 500 via a phone call or a text, as you can use our U.S. Cellular text line with that very same number. U.S. Cellular, proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular Connecting, Husker Nation. We're back with our practice report comments from the head coach who met with the media after the workout today. We'll have that for you next. We're back. It's a Friday night, Sports highlight. What's better than that? not, Not many things. I'm telling you, that's high, high on the list. Another thing we like to do, and, boy, we're glad they're back, the practice reports for the Husker football team. Let's get into one every
1: practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it.
0: All season long.
1: There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it.
2: It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Football is back and soon the cold weather will be too. If your windows aren't ready for winter, call Tech Construction. The official exterior experts of the Huskers for a free estimate had offense day had defense day this week and the week is complete with head coach day so Scott Frost met with members of the media in a zoom call this afternoon and uh, gave an update to us all on the big 10 testing protocols and how things have gone from that standpoint so far
1: it's a good question Parker we we're working through the details on that right now um not sure where that's going to land yet obviously uh a limit on size of roster uh, affects us more than it would about any team in the country walk-on programs been an important very important part of nebraska football for generations um so we're still working through the details on that the you know the protocols the the big Ten's working hard i give them credit uh coming up a lot of rules and ways that we can play football we're just grateful that we're actually going to get to play football i think that's the right decision Uh, But I also want to be able to give all of our student athletes uh, that are on our football team an opportunity to practice, compete. So we're still working through that right now.
2: Something we have talked about, Greg, is Nebraska's roster size comparatively to other teams in the league. It's a bit larger. So, you know, if if there is just a a shallow net cast across all teams, Nebraska would be one of the first teams affected by that.
0: No question. You, you, You go from Nebraska's at 154 down to Minnesota's 97. Uh, that, that's the, the range in the Big Ten Conference. Michigan is second, somewhere in the 130s. So, yeah, it's going to affect Nebraska. If you get 170 total tests, and that has to include your coaches, your trainers, your managers, your equipment guys, um, probably yeah, that may be it. Yeah, Maybe they may limit it to that. You can't you can't do all that with 170. So you're going to have to have some players not practice and not be around this team, and that that's too bad.
2: Something that's been talked about a lot, um, as of <clears throat> a few weeks ago has been focused especially when uh, the team didn't know that they were going to be playing or they didn't know when they would be playing next. Coach Frost addressed his team being focused and 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 why and how they've been able to do so.
1: You know our guys have been together probably longer through this than, than most teams have. We got our guys back. Uh, I think it's been documented a lot earlier. They've been working together. I think bonding together. Um, I think there'll be plenty of chance for guys to decide what the best options for them are after the season, uh, whether it's leaving, trying to come back for another year. Uh, right now, we have a pretty tight-knit group, and I think they're they're focused on becoming the best team that they can so they can compete in these Big Ten games. And our guys are just thrilled that they're going to get a chance to, to play some games this fall.
0: Got 18 seniors on scholarship on, on this team. A handful are going to be good enough, I think, to play in the National Football League, guys like Hymas and maybe Farniak and, and on down. Uh, so some of those will take care of themselves. You'll have some, Ben, and we saw this with the baseball team. You'll have some fifth and in Christian Gaylord's case, a sixth-year senior that are going to go, yeah, I put my body through enough. I'm I'm ready for that chapter of my life to be over and move on. But I bet there's seven or eight of those seniors that
2: want to utilize this rule and come back and play next year. No question about it. And, and I would agree with the coach based on what we've heard from – know, the players even even into last year that this does seem to be a tighter knit group than than we have seen in years past. Um, Obviously, a big point of emphasis this week and starting this week has been the pads and being able to put the pads on for the first time since November. Coach Frost talked about how much that can add to a team.
1: Uh, it's not just the offensive line; it's our whole team. As this is played out, we lost spring ball, but we ended up with a whole bunch of non-padded practices uh, between walkthroughs and the start of camp. That got when the season got canceled, and then bringing guys back and having them in no pads for a long time. Um, we were able to get a lot done, but there's only so much that you get done until you get pads on. Um, and we're going to have to kind of fast track that. Usually, you have about four weeks with that, and we have a little over three. Um, Our players haven't had shoulder pads on since November until they put them on uh, on the 30th. So. at at a little quicker rate than than we would have had to do in order to to be ready to compete, Uh, particularly with the schedule we're faced with at the beginning of the season. We need to be ready because those are some good teams. Um, We're going to fast track that. I think it's going to help our team be ready to compete and combative and and be tough and um, we're trying to balance uh, keeping the guys healthy and fresh with with doing as much as we can to get them ready to play physical brand of football.
2: Tough spot to be in as a coach. I mean, not only are you shrinking the timeline, but you're pushing the date further and further back for when they can start hitting and get their bodies used to that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I you know heard it from Coach Shenander and uh, even Greg Austin you know, um, yesterday about – what it would take t- in terms of balance to make sure that you're hitting enough, where, where, you know, where, where all our our emphasis at on that, and, and how do we balance it? Because it's not like you want to strap them on and just bang bodies as much as you possibly can until kickoff. I mean, that would just be reckless and irresponsible. So it's a fine line that these guys are walking.
0: And they may have to adjust as they go. They may have to tweak some practices next week or
2: the following week just to make sure that they're revved up and ready on the 24th. Well, the money quote of the day, or at least the one that got the most attention, if you have not yet uh, heard it or been on social media, had to do with a country in Central Asia that Coach Frost brought up today in terms of the schedule. He's asked about – the question was, uh, I know Iowa is a game that you're trying to focus on playing on Fridays. Is there any other games that you're looking at playing on Fridays or, or have been asked about that? Here's Coach Frost's response to that.
1: I don't have much to do with the scheduling. Um, you know, our guys are excited to play. We're just grateful we get to play. You know, I, I think we probably landed with probably the toughest strength of scheduling in the conference. And because the conference is so strong, maybe the country. Um, our, I don't think our guys care. The players don't care. They just want an opportunity to compete. Uh, we were one of the schools fighting to get to play. And we're just excited we get to play. Um, i don't think beggars can be choosers sometimes that if they tell us we're playing on a thursday we need to be ready to play on a thursday if it's sunday it's sunday and uh, if it's in uzbekistan we're going to have to probably uh stop in a couple places on the way over there Wh- wherever and whenever we get to play our guys are just excited get a chance to compete
2: the, to me and everyone's going to focus on the uzbekistan comment i'm not reading too much into that what, what i'm reading into is Um, Something that that I brought up a while back, and that's about the schedule and what's going to happen when Nebraska loses its first game and and all the jokes that are going to be coming from guys like Pat Forty and Nicole Auerbach and, you know, all those people that seem to use Nebraska as a punching bag for a good solid month straight and use it for clicks on their website. Um, And Coach Frost said what I said. This team just wants a chance to compete. They want a chance to go out there and play. And we've heard it echoed from every single coach that's spoke so far, Greg, on, on practice reports, that they just want a chance to go play. And, and they, they're embracing the challenge of playing Ohio State. I don't know where this notion that um, Nebraska was complaining, that the, the, the football team and the coaches were complaining about their schedule. They just want an opportunity to go compete and go play no matter who it is. And I think you know the coach, that was the, the bottom line of what he said right there. We just want a chance to go play. Absolutely.
0: I mean, Ohio State on the road was part of the original schedule anyway. Nebraska's known for months that we're going to have to go to Columbus. Just happens to be the first game, and you know, pulling a country out from the other way. Nebraska is playing in Ireland next year, so I mean, it's like if somebody wants to go, well, what? well we we do have a game in in ten months in a foreign country. But yeah, you, you're right. It it's just I think they've they've accepted this they've turned they've turned the corner
2: they've left it behind them and they're just getting rid of themselves ready to play correct what about preparation and what the start of the season has done from that standpoint it's sure given the coaches a lot of time to break down film and and execute game plans and such what has the delayed of the season done in terms of preparation
1: we got a lot of reps uh, i think that helps some of the new guys catch up um I wouldn't agree with you that we're putting in a new offense. Um, we certainly have a new offensive coordinator that has worked with me before, and, and he and I uh, are working hand in hand to make little changes that we need to to, to be a more efficient offense. Um, I think every year you change a little bit on offense and a little bit on defense. If you're not evolving, you're falling behind. But these extra practices, uh, extra time has probably allowed a lot of our young players to, um, assimilate a little more, get a little more comfortable, and and probably have a, a little bit more time to get familiar with schemes on both sides of the ball. Um, so I, I would kind of expect teams that, that need them, that a lot more young players around the, the league are, are able to contribute because of the extra time they've had.
0: It's interesting that he had to clarify that we're not running a new offense. I think there's been – I don't know where this perception came from, but I spoke to a group today and I got the same question. So we're changing some offensive stuff with this new – coach and I'm like no we're running this offense that's the offense is the offense I go I think you may see some wrinkles to it but it is what it is and this is what Matt Lubick and Scott Frost ran when they were together at Oregon so I I don't know where the narrative came but obviously it's out there that Matt Lubick's going to tweak and change this offense that's that's not the case
2: yeah I don't I don't know that that was the reporter's main focus of the question, I think he that may have been a comment he just kind of slipped in there, um, because that's not that's not changing an offense isn't a isn't something you just slip into a question. I mean that that is something that's a focal point of an entire off season. So I don't want to beat the drum um, and I don't want to beat the reporter up too bad that asked the question. I think it might have just kind of slipped out, but you're absolutely right and and credit Coach Frost the way he handled the question is if you're not adapting, you're falling behind. So you're yeah. always going to have tweaks from year to year. But if there is a perception out there that Nebraska is installing a new offense or running a new offense, it needs to go away because it's not the case at all. I mean, it's the same same type of stuff, same scheme that you're going to see from the big red from year to year. And just because they have a new offensive coordinator doesn't mean they're gonna, you're going to run out there and see some power-eye football with three tight Wishbone. ends. It's, yeah, you're n- <laughs> not going to happen, folks. Sorry. All right, let's move on here. Um, something that has been tested a little bit with the injury to Braxton Clark, but has also been a huge focal point with his staff since they've been here, is building depth on the team. Coach Ross talked about that today.
1: Yeah, we we took over a team here when we got here a few years ago that wasn't probably ready to compete at the level that we wanted it to yet. I think uh, the record's probably shown that. Um, I'm reluctant to talk about us getting better because we have gotten better. Um, but. You know, people take that and run with it. Uh, we had a lot of work to do. We've we've covered a lot of ground. Probably still have some ground to cover. Depth has been one of the issues. Per your question, um, we're a lot closer there than we have been. Um, feel really good about certain positions. Some others that uh, we could still use another guy or two. But we're deeper than we have been. Um, it's funny you mentioned Jack. Tight ends, one of the spots where we feel like we have a bunch of guys uh, at that spot that compete at a high level right now. Uh, every year we bring in another recruiting class. Every weight session with Zach Duvall, where we're developing players, we get closer to having not just the type of talent that we need to compete at the high level, but the depth that we need to compete at the high level. Um, so we'll keep training our guys from the bottom of the roster to the top of the roster, and um, you know, day by day, if we get better and better, we're gonna we're gonna be closer to where we want to be.
2: The biggest worry with depth is what happens if somebody catches the virus. That's going to be the big, the big point of emphasis. And there are teams around the country that have lost long snappers, holders, specialty places on the roster that you can't just plug somebody in. Coach Frost was asked how you adjust to that, how you prepare for that, or do you just take it as it comes?
1: No, I think, Parker, as many – protocols and safeguards as you try to put in place, you can't anticipate what's going to happen. So we're going to try to be as safe as we can and and keep our kids healthy. Um, But but you don't know. The one thing we've looked at is how many players we have at each position that have tested positive for the virus or positive for antibodies. Um, Feel good about our ability to field the team at a lot of positions. There's some others there. We don't have any of our guys. that have had the virus or have antibodies so you just never know uh, I don't think there's any way to handle that if, if at a couple of those positions we have have three or four guys get it and are out for 21 days it's gonna be hard for us to to find a way to get ready to play that's just the way it is I, I think we'd live with with it if it was deep snapper we probably have more of those on our team than some other people do but there's a couple positions where we, we could be real short real fast and um, I just don't know how you would anticipate how that's going to happen.
0: It's going to be a moving target type thing, and then just get used to it. And we've seen that's what's happened at some other places. Baylor, for instance, ran out of I think it was offensive lineman a couple weeks ago, and that's why they had to cancel their game with Houston. They were down to like seven. You needed to have some minimums in there so that you can compete and get through a game. And so it's just going to be it's going to be a crazy. Next couple of months, and people just buckle up. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, Ben, when we, we sit there on game days and watch who comes out to warm up. That's what maybe mm-hmm. the final tip off is, okay, he's in uniform, he's in uniform. Where, where, where's this one? I mean, It yeah. should be just like that.
2: Well, and I'm going to have to adjust my, uh, my injury radar because normally it's who's in street clothes on the side. They're not going to be in street clothes nope. on the side anymore. You're going, to be able nope. to just, you're going to have to just process by elimination you know, at this point. Absolutely. All right, great practice report again brought to you by JTech.
0: Here we are, Hour 2, Friday night, Sports Sunday on the Husker Sports Network. Thank you so much for spending some of your evening with us here tonight. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll go with our Choices Treatment Center picks for the week in the top 25. We're going to have to shift that in a couple of weeks from top 25 to Big Ten. It's set up to be a Big Ten pick segment, but we had to have some fun while we wait for the Big Ten to arrive. to the Calling an audible. It's
2: that simple. We're at the line of scrimmage. We're reading Bliss. We're throwing a yeah. slant
0: now. That's what we're doing. That's what we did, yeah. So we'll have some fun with that. And then Ian Rappaport. We always enjoy hearing his insight into the National Football League. And our, as always, phone lines are open for you, along with our text line at 531 546 Eighty-six. So time to get into this week's game prediction segment it's par- presented by Choices Treatment Center, helping people make positive choices. All right, Tim Curran, I have a feeling, a deep <laughs> feeling the last week did not go so well for all of us uh it was a little bit uh hit or miss
3: um some people had better weeks than others um I don't think I was one of them but uh, I think
2: I took one on the chin and then got put down on the canvas
3: yeah uh no surprises we all got tripped up on Oklahoma uh some people namely me and only me uh picked Pitt over Louisville but everyone else uh side with uh Louisville and got it wrong we all got uh torn to pieces by LSU and and Bo Pelini. They, they tore our hearts out as as the pirate ship uh, went on to win that one. Um, I uh, believed in our nation's army and was wrong. I also believed in West Virginia. Those are two re- regrettable picks. Uh, they did not go my way. Uh, some of us tripped up on NC State. Uh, some of us uh, namely Greg liked South Carolina. That did not go in their favor. Um, but uh, we all went 13 of 17 besides Austin who's going to gloat because he went 14 of 17. Oh.
0: Uh, so good for him. That's, not, that's better than I thought. 13 of 17, I'll that's take like that.
4: That
2: week, yeah. Austin, you're number one in the world. Congrats. I'm feeling like
4: it. I'm feeling on top of the world right now. Yeah. Floating on cloud nine. Well, the person yeah.
3: who actually is on top is Josh. She leads the pack at 27 of 32 overall in the season. Uh, and everyone else stuck at 26 of 32 right behind. And me, uh, last but certainly not least, at a gentlemanly 25 of 32. Uh, so I'm looking to make up some ground this week. But so this is
2: the this is the this is the the quadrant that's going down in, and uh, face off whenever it is that we get that back, right? Yeah, it'd be Tim and Austin.
4: Indeed, we're gonna yeah. have to
2: separate. I could see you in the cam. You guys are awfully close. I I don't trust <laughs> Tim to not throw stuff at your face, Austin, when you're. Uh, oh ripping him apart and face off
4: i'll look into some plexiglass between now and then let's get it installed in the studio early have a couple different lanes through the door just to be safe get it done
2: it's been known to
3: happen uh it's been known to happen but that brings us this week josh has a one game lead right
0: that's that's true yes and the rest of us are at 26, or yep. Tim, where, where uh, are well, you Well, I'm
3: not at 26, but that fact doesn't need to be mentioned on this year' program. It's <laughs> everyone else at 26, I'm leading up the rear, but that's only because I want a dramatic comeback. I just wanted to give you guys a cushion, make yourselves feel
0: comfortable before I come roaring back.
2: That's the one way to do it. Putting a lot of pressure on yourself there, big guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Couldn't do All it right. either way. Let's
0: get it going. Game tonight, Ben. 22nd ranked BYU hosting Louisiana Tech. Battle of Unbeatens, both 2-0, and but... The odds
2: makers like BYU by twenty four. What say you? I like the Cougs. I I was uh, one that chose them large over Troy last week. I didn't think that game was going to be close at all, and it wasn't. Um, I think there's something in the water in Provo right now. I don't know that they're quite playoff caliber like people on ESPN would suggest after two games, but they are a better football team than Louisiana Tech. So give me the Cougs, Tim. Yep, uh, I, uh, I do like BYU. Again, I, I'm not
3: sure uh, this is time for them to hop on the playoff bus. Uh, I don't think that thing is uh, going, going by Provo anytime soon. However, uh, they have more than enough firepower to beat Louisiana Tech. That game will be going on, I'm sure, well into to the wee hours of the night. So very excited about that.
0: Austin?
4: Yep, Kooks win. I think the line's about right. 24 might be a smidge high, but I think it's right about that.
0: Yeah, LaTex going to choke on some mountain air. BYU rolls in this game. <laughs> that's not an right. air to choke on either. Yeah. Alright, Tim, 11 a.m. games tomorrow. Let's go to the SEC, third-ranked Florida who looked really good against Ole Miss last week, hosting South Carolina who came up just a wee bit short in the Tennessee game. Gators favored by
3: 16. What do you think? Yeah, give me the Gators. I mean, South Carolina coming up short against Tennessee, that's actually nothing to sneeze at. It was funny. Uh, we talk all the time about national media hysterical takes. I think the the take that Tennessee is a dead and dying program was they probably uh went a little bit too soon but no I think I think the, the Gators get it done uh they did beat up on Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss team uh, that's another uh fun hire to watch it, speaking of Tennessee that that was a that was a sinking ship when, when Lane Kiffin was, was with that program and he jumped ship pretty quickly so uh, I don't know what he's gonna do with Ole Miss I'm not sure how much a win over Lane Kiffin's team means but uh it's still give me the Gators in this one Austin
4: no Steve Spurrier for either side. These Steve Spurrier <laughs> Memorial Bowl in this one. Kyle Trask funning and gunning last week against the Rebs. I'll take Florida in this one.
0: Okay, me too. I, I, think they, I was surprised how good they looked on offense. They don't have a problem tomorrow. They win a couple touchdowns.
2: I don't think Kyle Trask throws six, but I think he throws at least three, and that's plenty enough to beat South Carolina, who can't feel the punt when the game's on the line. So give yep. me the Gators. Yep.
0: All right, Austin, the eyes of Texas are upon you. Ninth-ranked Texas hosting TCU tomorrow. Longhorn savered by 10 after narrow. He is escaping Lubbock last week with an overtime win. Your thoughts?
4: Heck of a game last week. Watched the, most of the conclusion of that one. I think Gary Patterson's defense is pretty good. I still think Texas has enough to get it done, keep Austin weird. Horns down, but they win.
0: I'm with you. I think it's it's a, I think the line's pretty accurate. I think it's about a 9-10 point Texas win in this one. Give me the horns.
3: Well, uh, give me the horned frogs. That's right. Uh, I am a gambler. I have really no indication to give me faith and confidence in TCU, given uh, what happened. They had a collapse of sorts against Iowa State. I think Iowa State actually had a huge comeback in that game. Correct me if I'm wrong. But, um, yeah, Texas, uh, they did struggle a, a bit. Uh, needless to say, and they rally back and, and, and did eventually beat Texas Tech, uh, despite the fact that this is a home game. I don't know. Maybe TCU. They come out with their hair on fire. They get a win. I don't know. I'm just trying to pull something here. Uh, but but give me
0: TCU. I'm sticking by it. Is it okay if Ben goes
3: yeah, next although, Tim?
2: Although I was cut in line, um, I suppose I, uh, I I suppose I better give my answer. Give the people what answer. they want, Ben. They, they wanted yeah. to hear what I had to say. Yeah, cut in line here. Um, but I, I will revert back to what the two folks that uh originally made picks in this uh in this ball game give me the horns i tim's logic was not enough to sway me to the to the horn frog so um hook them at least for one more week all right back to the sec
0: 11th 21st ranked tennessee hosting the missouri tigers tennessee favored by 12 home opener for rocky top i think they smash missouri by two touchdowns tomorrow tennessee goes to two and oh ben mclaughlin
2: yeah, uh, thanks for queuing me up here to make sure that we're, we're, we're in line here. Um, I like Tennessee as well. I, I was not overly impressed with the way that they played against South Carolina. I watched a good chunk of that game. Uh, but I do think that they're a better football team than Missouri, who uh, I never had any particular affinity towards at all before. But pre-Pat 40, but post-Pat 40, I hope they lose every game they ever play. So uh, give me the balls. <laughs> By a billion, <laughs> all right. The principal pick right there.
3: I don't know the the order's been shaken up, up. I guess I'll up, just Tim, take it. Up, no. I guess I'll just seize the opportunity. Go yeah, ahead, Tim. Uh, if I could carry a tune, I'd, I'd be humming "Rocky Top" right now. Uh, give me the Vols. Give me Tennessee. I don't know if I, I I'm on the Jeremy Pruitt uh, bandwagon. Uh, I, I'm president of the fan club. Uh, he's he's turning that ship around. Give me the Vols.
4: Missouri Football posted a video on Twitter, a hype video for this week, detailing their uniforms, and the music behind it was Rocky Top. I don't think that's a great sign, so I will volunteer that the Vols win this one.
0: Nice. Well done. All right, Ben McLaughlin, 24th ranked, the Pitt Panthers undefeated at 3-0 against the Wolfpack of North Carolina State. Pitt favored by two touchdowns.
2: Yeah, I, I hemmed and hawed last week about Pitt-Louisville. I, I wasn't quite sure where to go. In the end, I chose the flashy offense in Louisville to win. But I, I've said for the last few weeks, I like Kenny Pickett. I think he's a solid quarterback. And after what NC State did to me or did not do to me in Blacksburg against the Hokies, I, I'm off their bandwagon maybe forever. So I'll give me Pitt. Jim?
3: Yep, you guys all picked against Pitt uh, last week at Burnja. I ain't picking against them uh, this week. I actually do like Coach Narduzzi. I think Pitt, Pitt are a solid program. Uh, give me Pitt all day.
4: I've been picking against Pitt all year. The quarterback with the last name of Pickett is unfortunate, but finally I think I'm going to pick it correctly. Pun completely intended. Hail to Pitt.
0: Okay, I'm with Pitt as well. I'm with. I'm, I agree with Ben. I thought NC State had more. They got flattened by the Hokies who were playing their first game of the year. That was not a good sign. Pitt's pretty solid, both offense and defense. They win fairly comfortably tomorrow. All right, here we go, Tim. Big one. Second-ranked Alabama taking on 13th-ranked. Texas A&M the Aggies survive a scare from Vandy Alabama favored by 18 in this one yeah like I think Jimbo will
3: get A&M uh there too as an elite program soon enough uh but it ain't happening tomorrow uh tied win and uh, I'm not going to say win big but the, the,
4: they'll win and, and probably pull away in the end Johnny Manziel ain't walking through that door the tide roll uh i think AM and saved some
0: honestly i think they kind of kept the playbook really skinny against vandy to kind of save something for uh alabama it isn't gonna matter bama's got too much form bama wins tomorrow by about that 18 point margin
2: man i'm a little higher on it on the aggies than you guys i know that kellen mon did not play well at all against vanderbilt last week and i was really disappointed i was hoping to see some big numbers i had Kellen Mon played like Kellen Mon last week I might have picked A&M to pull the upset here but he didn't show enough to me against a, a pretty bad Commodore defense I, I do think it's closer than the 18 point suggests um you know Alabama of course is just loaded at, at receiver again and Mac Jones has proved that he's he's more than just a, a filler for Tua Tagovailoa. by he's he's solid quarterback so uh, I like A&M perhaps more than you guys I think it's a about a 13-15 to 15 point game. That's about where I'm at. I think I think the Aggies cover.
0: Okay. Austin, to you, 12th ranked North Carolina on the road, heading to Boston to take on the Boston College Eagles. Carolina even on the road, a two-touchdown favorite.
4: I think that line's about right. I wasn't very impressed with what Sam Howell did against Syracuse, tossed a couple picks in there, 31-6 to 6 win for the Tar Heels that probably – it didn't seem like it was a 20-point win for him. So I'll go with UN cheating this one, but I do think that line's about right. <laughs> Whoa!
0: Man, there was syrupy was, stuff oh, oh, yeah. dripping through that. That, that,
2: that six shooter was loaded to the gills. <laughs> Woo! How'd that taste wow. coming out of your mouth, Austin? Oh, yeah. it tasted
4: like honey. Yeah. yeah. Our, our,
2: our Tar Heel
3: segment of fandom for Sports Nightly are just irate right now. Irate. Irate.
0: Carolina's real impressed with that Coach K Invitational he's put together for basketball in early December too with Elon and Howard and that group. That'll be really fun for him. <laughs> uh, I like Carolina. I think they get scared. I think BC puts up a heck of a fight. I think they definitely cover the 14, but the heels have just enough to get it done.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I don't think UNC covers. I think this is a one-score game. Part of me really, really, really wants to pick the Eagles. I think to me they're just not so flashy offensively it's just hard for them to pick it upset especially losing that's fine if you've got a guy like A.J. Dillon that can carry the ball 45 times he's gone now with Green Bay Um, so I don't know that you know David Bailey is quite that guy that I mean he's definitely not A.J. Dillon but I don't know that he's the guy that can counteract uh, you know what North Carolina wants to do offensively I think this is like a six or seven point game in chestnut hill that's where good football goes to die for a lot of teams um and i think north carolina really struggles tomorrow i think they win but my confidence level is about a three out of ten now no i'm i'm big on the uh the mac brown bandwagon he was one
3: of the kind of eyebrow raising hires i said that's an interesting uh choice but it's paid off for the Tar Heels. It's going to pay off for them tomorrow. I think North Carolina's chomping at the bit. They have that game canceled due to COVID. Uh, they're going to pour it on Boston College. Matt Ryan will be in shambles. He'll be in tears.
0: Mm. Okay. Because he's
3: 0 3 or because his uh, alma mater gets His beat. alma mater. Well, that, that too. Atlanta, he's already crying himself to sleep because of Atlanta, but even worse when
0: his alma mater gets beat like a drum. All right, right, 15th-ranked Cincinnati. Sure glad to put our nation's army behind them. You don't like playing that triple option very much. They survived that one. They get a host South Florida this week. They're favored by 21. They'll do every bit of that.
2: Bearcats roll on this one tomorrow. Yeah, I, I, am, I couldn't be more out on South Florida after the beatdown that they were given at the hands of the Fighting Irish a couple weeks ago. Sorry, South Florida. I don't know that I'm going to pick you to win again the rest of the year, so give me the Bearcats.
3: Yeah, it's not a particularly difficult choice. Uh, I'm rolling with Cincinnati and Luke Fickle, uh,
4: Cincy all the way here. Give me the Cats. Fifth-string long snapper does USF no favors. All right, Ben.
0: 17th-ranked Oklahoma State in Lawrence take on the winless Jayhawks. Cowboys favored by more than three touchdowns.
2: Yeah, Pokes look definitely look better um, than they did. Obviously, in, in game one against Tulsa, bounce back a little bit against West Virginia. Uh, Kansas is still the same old pathetic excuse for a a Power 5 football team that that they've ever been. Uh, Again, Les Miles not able to chew on his own grass with the turf at David Booth and Lawrence. So, I mean, unless he's chewing rubber tires, this is going to be a long day for him. Uh, Chuba Hubbard hasn't exploded onto the scene just yet, but he gets going tomorrow. I'm calling for a 200-yard rushing day and a big Oklahoma State win. Yep, uh, I'm
3: right there with you. Uh, Oakey State, I picked against them last week, got burned, but I'm picking anyone against KU. I mean, they're putrid. Les Miles, uh, that was the kind of stunt hire. It hasn't worked out, but to be fair to him, uh, Ben, you said uh, Chestnut Hill is where good football goes to die. Uh, Kansas is where the sport of football goes to die. It's just a terrible, terrible program. They're going to lose and lose big tomorrow.
4: How quickly you forget that teams in Orange don't always fare so well in Lawrence. Texas went down to Kansas. Can Jayhawks <laughs> do it to Oklahoma State? Probably not. Pokes.
2: Pistols firing tomorrow. Cowboys That's win. Me. Yeah, those pistols are going to be loaded more than Austin's talking about UNC. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, Tim, 25th-ranked Memphis, who's only played one game this year. They've had a couple that have been canceled taking on undefeated SMU. This line is a pick 'em tomorrow. Oh, baby, what do you think? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, SMU has the experience under
3: their belt. They're 3-0. and That said, uh, I think I'm going to stick with Memphis. I think they are the superior program in terms of quality, but I, I, it's going to be a nail-biter. I mean, I, I think this one's going to be decided by a field goal, uh, but I am going with the Tigers over the Ponies in this one.
4: Yeah, man, that's, I, I like the pick line. It's going to be a shootout like we expect out of that American Athletic Conference. I, I love the SMU offense. I think Memphis has just a little bit more, especially with Brady White back.
0: I'm taking SMU. Give me the home team and a pick game. I'll go with the Ponies those two extra games that they've played to this point.
2: I like the Ponies as well. You mentioned Brady White, Austin, but Shane Buchel is 57 years old and has played in <laughs> uh, every college football game scenario that there is to play in. I don't know how that dude's still eligible, and, and this he gets this year back if he wants to come back for his 38th year <laughs> next year. Um, I like SMU at home. Man, over under a 75. Whew, popcorn at 230 ESPN2. You want to watch some. All right,
0: Austin, top ten battle between the hedges. Auburn, seventh ranked, coming off a win over Kentucky, takes on Georgia, who took a while to get their wheels going at Arkansas last week. Their fourth ranked, the uh, dogs are, are favored by seven and a half.
4: That line seems a little high. I thought Auburn was a lot more impressive against a better Kentucky team than Georgia was against an Arkansas team. I'm going to go off the beaten path. I'm going to change my pick. I originally had dogs. I'm going to go Auburn. I'm not buying Georgia after last week. I think Auburn has just enough to get it done. Wow. Um,
0: Man, I was tempted to do what you did. I'm going to go with the home team, but I think it's a field goal game. And I will not be shocked at all if you're right. I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm going to go with
2: Georgia. I don't like the line at all. I think that's way too high. I, I think this is a field goal type game. Um, I've always been a, a kind of a closet Georgia fan in the SEC. I think we had a caller ask us a long time ago, you know, since the Big Ten's not playing, who are you going to root for? Georgia was my answer just because I can't stand anybody else in the SEC, Auburn being one of those teams. I'm going to pick Georgia, but I think Auburn's a better team. I, I think Bo Nix is, is, is good. I don't know that JT Daniels, the USC's transfer, is enough to fix my eyeballs from what I had to watch <laughs> uh, with Georgia and Arkansas last, last week. Georgia's going to need to play a heck of a lot better on the offensive side of the ball. They can't rely on their defense to score 14 points again. I'm going to say Georgia wins, but like I said, I think Auburn's a better team. Well Ben if you are a
3: closet Georgia fan'm I'm, I'm a closet uh, closet closet auburn fan but even that's not enough uh, to will them to victory I, I actually think the Bulldogs will be uh, in just fine shape for this one like is that the home game between the hedges despite the fact that there's not going to be a raucous crowd there I think that like Greg was saying earlier with with Am I think Georgia will probably try to keep that playbook. Uh, pretty pretty thin, as as he called it. Um, and and I think Georgia actually would be plenty fine. They had to knock the rust off. It's understandable. There's going to be a few cogs in the wheel. Uh, in fact, I think they'll probably win by, uh, you know, uh, more than two possessions. So, Whoa. yeah.
4: I'm feeling feeling confident. I'm saying take J- the under.
0: JT Daniels back as their quarterback. That will help them as well. All right, guys, we need to get kind of through these next few picks. 11th ranked UCF uh, host, hosting Tulsa, favored by 21. I got the Knights big in this one. Knights.
4: UCF. Battle of the Goldens, I'll take the Knights. Okay.
0: All right, uh, Ben, 16th-ranked Mississippi State coming off the big upset against LSU hosting
2: Arkansas. Mike Leach, the Pirate, favored by 17. Yeah, Stark Vegas for this one. I don't think K.J. Costello throws for 620 again this week, but he's not going to have to. He scores 20, and they win. So Mississippi State. Yeah, I'm also rolling
3: with uh, Mike Leach's uh, mad, mad air raid, uh, Mississippi State.
4: Yeah, Mississippi State, I'll take them to him.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think they quite, or I think Arkansas will defend them a little bit differently than what LSU tried to, but Arkansas can't score enough. The uh, Mississippi State club will win for Mike Leach. All right, Tim, Oklahoma coming off a loss to Kansas State on the road at Iowa State. Cyclones won at TCU. Sooners, a road favorite by a touchdown. What do you think? Uh, Iowa State uh, wins outright. Mm. OU still rolling.
3: Uh, ISU's given Oklahoma some scares in the past few years. This time they're going to knock them off.
4: Bold. I think Oklahoma's very upset after last week. I think Spencer Rattler bounces back. I think Oklahoma by about 10.
0: Yeah, every time I go with Iowa State, I get burned on these kind of things. I'm not going to do it. I think they play hard, but I think the Sooners learned some lessons in that game last week. They bounce back and get a road win. Yeah,
2: I am not a believer in uh, in, Ohio, in uh, Iowa State. I, I shouldn't be in Oklahoma either. After last week, I do think Brees Hall gives OU some trouble, but Spencer Rattler, I think, uh, will bounce back and make some better decisions. I like OU in this one.
0: All right, uh, Tim, 23rd ranked LSU at Vanderbilt.
3: In my best uh, Ed Orgeron voice, go Tigers! LSU in this one.
4: Vandy's helmets win the uniform matchup. LSU wins the ball game.
0: Yeah, LSU learned a lot last week about their team. They'll start playing to their strengths a little bit. Commodores are just not very
2: good. I think LSU wins fairly handily tomorrow on the road. I think in our top 25, my comment for LSU was they are way too high at 12. Yeah, you did. And I uh, I don't think this is going to be an indictment on the rest of their season, but I do think they win tomorrow.
0: All right, Austin, you'll wrap it up. Number one, Clemson hosting Virginia. This is a rematch of the ACC title game a year ago. Clemson favored by four touchdowns.
4: I think the line's a little high. I know Virginia's lost some, but I think Clemson still wins. Virginia plays them close for a half, but Clemson pulls away in the second half.
0: Yeah, I like Clemson. I think uh, you laid it out pretty well. Maybe close for a quarter and a half, but then the Clemson Tigers put it on them. Clemson by a
2: comfortable margin. Bronco Mendenhall, backs against the wall, huge underdog on the road at Death Valley, and that's where their season goes to die. I don't think it's even <laughs> close from the get-go. I, I like Clemson big.
0: Yeah, Clemson starts slow, finishes strong. Give me the Tigers. All right, there you go. Those are our Choices Treatment Center picks for the week. If you or someone you love has a problem with gambling, call Choices Treatment Center at 402-476-2300 or the Nebraska Gambler's Assistance Program at one 833 238
2: 6837 Sports nightly Friday night edition motoring right along halfway through our program here this evening it's Friday which means it's time to talk National Football League with our good friend Ian Rappaport the NFL network and NFL Dot com Ian, game last night between the Jets and the Broncos. Let's actually start with the losing team in the Jets. Not a lot going right with that franchise right now. Some conversation about the future of Adam Gase. What is the scenario surrounding the New York Jets franchise right now?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think the plan right now is to see if uh, Adam Gase can figure this out. You know, I mean, he's he's been your head coach for one season. He started badly, ended very well, 6-2 and now started badly again. And, you know, there's been a little bit of a drumbeat about his job status and whatever, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to make a move. It doesn't necessarily mean the ownership has to kind of uh, bow to the whims of the fan base. I mean, if you're the owner and you believe it's in the best interest of the team to see this through and see if he can turn it around, um, then I think that's what you do. And, and, you know, that's – That's where the Jets are in this situation. I don't think they're in a hurry to make a move. And the other thing is, you know, if they do make a move, what good does it do? Like, what does that solve? What does that help except for satiating a fan base? I mean, that's kind of where they are. And that's why I think you'll see Adam Gase as the coach going forward um, until they decide it can't happen anymore.
2: What's your interpretation of what type of pro Sam Darnold can be? I think that's a big mystery to, to a lot of people.
5: I don't know. Uh, I really don't. And I've been trying to figure out. It's been three years now, two and a half years now. And we still don't know. I mean, he's been injured some. He's shown flashes, some really nice flashes. But there were times last night when he just didn't unload the ball. I mean, fourth and three, he gets sacked. How does that happen? Just, you know, how does that happen? Um, And there were plenty of other times when, you know, on the play where he injured his shoulder, you know, he he needs to get rid of the ball, and the slam was open. You know, I think that's what's frustrating is, you know, as a coach, I mean, I'm sure Adam Gase would get criticized, but as a coach, you can only do so much. At some point, the quarterback's got to stand in there and deliver the ball, um, and I don't know that Donald's doing that enough. I mean, I'll say this. I have enough doubt now where I would say if the Jets took a quarterback as their first pick next year, I wouldn't be that surprised at that.
2: Yeah, interesting. I think that's probably the answer to the question is if Jets are willing to go quarterback, that says a lot about what they think of Sam Darnold. Let's go to the other sideline now in Denver. Team just can't stay healthy right now. Just snapped by the injury bug. Um, Can you even judge where Denver is at right now based on their injury report?
5: No, I mean, now maybe they found a little something in Brett Rippitt. I'm not sure he's a future starting quarterback, but he at least looks – at least looked better than Jeff Driscoll. He at least looked like a competent backup, and you know they have some questions too because they have had a lot of injuries um uh, they have you know had you know von Miller and Sutton and some of their big stars go down, but they were competitive, they fought, and they at least looked competent last night, like maybe Tim Patrick is someone who could emerge as a number two slash three receiver i mean they have some they showed some things um But I think same question for them as the Jets. I mean, if they end up bad, if things have not progressed like you want, do you take a quarterback with your first pick or do you stick with Drew Locke? I mean, that's, you know, these are the kinds of questions that face their franchise.
2: Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com is our guest here on Sports Nightly. Ian, we've been fortunate enough to talk a lot about particular teams and players and avoid – uh, the conversation that we talked about all off-season, which was COVID-19. It took until week three for this to affect the NFL. First of all, just give us the latest on on what's happening between particularly the Titans, but um, we'll get to the Vikings here in a second, but just kind of what's, what's the plan moving forward with what's happened this week in Tennessee?
5: Well, I mean, first of all, uh, there were two more positive tests, two more players added to the COVID-19 list for the Tennessee Titans earlier today tests continue full battery full round of tests continue, and, um the titans are just frankly not going to be in the clear until they know that everyone is negative you know and they're going to keep testing and i think you know it'll probably take a day or so or more of fully negative tests for them to kind of get back on track here the hope is to open the facility on saturday um but no one knows that that's going to be the case and, and you know they're the Titans game against the Steelers, not going to happen on Sunday, uh, was officially postponed until week seven. Basically what they did was they they took a Ravens-Steelers game for week seven. Um, they moved the Ravens back. They gave the Ravens a week seven bye, and they put this game in there. So kind of quick, easy schedule fix. And, you know, it's, it's not something that's really, uh, you know, damaging to – any team i mean the two teams this week have 13 games in a row that's not great it's an easy schedule fix um and you hope that's the least of what the league has to deal with but you know we've seen coronavirus does not discriminate so it's likely this will happen at some point again during the season
2: what's the protocol now ian you mentioned the the testing and how much of this was put in place and how much of this is still being learned kind of on the fly with the nfl we've seen how it affected Major League Baseball with a couple of teams and, and really what the procedures were. And baseball is a bit easier because you can do doubleheaders and you can, you can really sandwich a season. You can't really do that in the NFL. In this case, caught a break with the easy reschedule, as you said. But what's kind of the protocol now that this has affected one particular team and, and how long quarantine periods last and all of that?
5: Yeah, I mean, what's going to be more difficult is if there are, are no buys. Like, what you know, what happens if It's week 10, and a game has to be rescheduled. Like, what do you do? Is it possible that one team plays 16 games, one team plays 15 games? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, these are, you know, it's just not going to be totally an equitable season like you hope. I mean, it's, you'd like it to be, um, but it's not always, it's not always like that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, one thing we've learned is that those teams, in a pandemic, those teams in a uh, in an outbreak are have a little bit of a different protocol situation. So what they have to do is their players take two tests: the point of care test and then the sort of regular test. On practice fields, you have to wear a face shield or one of those Oakley face mask shield things. Non quarterbacks have to wear gloves on the practice field. I mean, it's it's different, but it's what it is. It's the best thing we can do to keep this thing going. So that's that's what it ends up being.
2: And then on the other side, the Vikings actually made it out all right. They're going to be playing Houston as expected. And to get back into the football talk, which we all appreciate, who are you most surprised at 0-3, Minnesota or Houston? Oh, Houston.
5: Definitely Houston. I mean, they should be a good team. Now, they do always often tend to start slow. Um, So, you know, I still think they're going to be okay. I still think um, they're – Situation is fixable. They have good players. They have really good players. So I think their situation is fixable. But I will say I'm also surprised by the Vikings. They have talent. And they made the moves they made this off season. you know, they traded Stephon Diggs. Okay. Got a lot of draft picks for it. But then they traded for Yannick Ngakwe. And that's the kind of move you make if you believe he's the final piece to something. And then you start 0-3. And Cousins has played – you know, played well last week but did not play good the couple weeks before, you know, your franchise quarterback has to be your guy. He can't be up and down like he's been. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I'm surprised by both, but I really thought and kind of still think the, type, the Texans are going to be really good.
2: And I think for the same reasons we're surprised those teams are 0-3, that the same logic could be reversed as to how we're surprised that Chicago is 3-0. and 0. Yeah. How, Is Chicago legit? I mean, what is Nick Foles going to bring to this team, and is, is he the missing piece to keep this thing going?
5: I mean, legit, you know, the wins count, so no one's giving them back. But, like, I can't pretend that, um, let's say, I can't pretend that their 3-0 and start, the Bears, is the same as, like, the Chiefs or the Bills. Like, I think the Chiefs and the Bills are both really good. Uh, I cannot pretend that it's like that for the Bears. Now, they've done it without good quarterback play. I mean, they basically had one half of good quarterback play, which was the half Nick Foles played last week. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the fact that they've gotten out of it with three wins without playing particularly well is amazing. But they're going to need to keep that up. And if you told me they would come back to earth by, like, the middle of November that would be something I would believe
2: you mentioned a a team in the AFC East I want to mention a couple of them Buffalo and and New England both play AFC West teams this week Buffalo plays the Raiders New England plays Kansas City when you look at those two teams right now and and the way that the level that Josh Allen is playing and even the level that Cam Newton's playing in New England it's got to be these two teams at the end right I mean who, who, who do you like right now in that division three games in
5: Yeah, I mean, Cam has been impressive, right? Like, I I don't know what I expected. I didn't quite think it was going to be, like, the MVP Cam, but I thought he would be good. I thought he would run the ball a bunch. And, you know, we'll see as he gets back into the fold as a starter, we'll see how teams kind of adapt and face him. Um, So that's obviously something to watch. The Bills just look really good. Like, I I don't know, man. Like, I don't know where the weakness is. I don't know. I mean, if Josh Allen is going to be settled in and dialed in like this, if he's not going to be kind of trying too hard like he was at the playoffs, the Bills are legit. Like, I would not expect them to come back to earth. I would expect them. I'm not going to say they're going to win the division because I will never say that until the Patriots just decide that they're not going to win the division anymore because they win it so often. But I love everything the Bills are doing. And the fact that they can take a big lead against the Rams, lose the big lead, and then still come back and win is just a ridiculous thing. And I I really like what the Bills are doing.
2: Ian, one more team I want to ask you about, and based on their start, and they, they too happen to be an 0-3 team. And the way that those two, last two losses have happened for Atlanta – it's just hard to comprehend. What, what are people saying in the Falcons camp about the way that they've started? They lose you know, a tough one out of the gate to the Seahawks, and then they, they, you know, obviously the Cowboys game, and even last week to the, Bears, to the Bears, the team we just talked about. They seem like they could, they could put it together, but they just haven't. What's the concern level with the Falcons?
5: I would say there is a, a real concern. I mean, yes, talent-wise, they look okay, and they look like they could theoretically keep it together. Get it together, but I guess my question would be, and it's not just my question; it's what the Falcons are asking themselves. Um, at what point do you say, "Okay, they're just not going to do it," right? Like, at what point do you say, um, "I think, I think it's time to move on"? You know, I, I, I the way I see it, the Falcons are a really critical stretch here. They have the Monday night game uh, against the Packers, then they have home against the Panthers. If they go 0-0 or 0-2, if they lose both. I think it might be – I think they're going to have some hard conversations, I would say, inside that building because at some point, if you just can't win a game, enough has to be enough.
2: Ian Rapport, the NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian, before we cut you loose, let's get a couple of injury updates before we send people off, starting with the Falcons. Julio Jones, sounds like Calvin Ridley dealing with a bit of an ankle. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Kareem Hunt, I know, battling a groin. Anybody that people should be watching out for for game time decisions on Sunday?
5: Yeah, I think Julio is is headed in the right direction to potentially play. They got the Monday nighter. Um so that'll be kinda interesting. Devonte Adams, another one. I mean, you'd like to know Sunday at one before you set your lineup if he's playing. Um, but I'm not sure it's something you can count on. Um, uh, Chris Godwin from the Bucks has been declared out. Leonard Fournette has been declared out. Um I think those are, are two big ones. Um Kareem Hunt's got a groin. We'll see what his status is. I know Odell um, is good to go. He had a back injury yesterday, but he's good to go. Not a ton of big time injury guys on Sunday, but definitely a couple on Monday that we'll be keeping our eye on.
2: For sure, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian, we appreciate you, man. enjoy the games this weekend. We look forward to talking to next week. Thanks a lot. All right,
5: look forward to it, man. Take care.
2: And
0: yep, we're back. Final hour of the night final hour of the week. Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. We've survived yet another week with no Husker sports, but we're getting closer. Just three weeks out for the Huskers on the football field. Coming up here this hour, we'll have our weekend preview. Ben will lay out all the sporting events over the next couple of days. Then we'll hear from Andy Weinberg, our horse racing handicapper. The Preakness is tomorrow, the final leg of the Triple Crown in this unusual year of 2020. We'll have that. We'll have our weekend review, and we'll have our winners and losers of the week as well. Well, let's get it going with the preview. It's time for the weekend preview, the part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend.
3: Come in, watch. It'll be a good one.
0: Sometimes we give you good advice.
6: I could watch that all day
0: but we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview with Ben McLaughlin.
2: All right. Well, sadly, things getting closed out of the tab box on the uh, on the old Weekend Preview. and NHL hockey is done taken care of after the... Sweep the Dallas Stars of the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Yes, sir. See how that worked? Yes, sir. And as we learned
0: last night, the second Lightning title, the other one
2: being in 2004. You had to be very specific to get that answer right last night. And they were. Josh got that correct. So, pat on the back to him for that. But yeah, no NHL, and uh, we'll see what the uh, NBA situation is by this time next week. But let's go ahead and start. As we always do with college football in the slate ahead, starting first at 11 a.m. on ESPN. The Gamecocks of South Carolina, massive underdogs in the swamp, taking on third-ranked Florida. It was unanimous, I believe. We all took the Gators. Boy, their offense was impressive last week against Ole Miss. Sure was. You know, I'm not used to seeing that.
0: I'm going to have to change my thought process about Florida now that Dan Mullins entrenched as their coach. They were
2: really good on that side of the ball. Very talented team, for sure. Um, All right, also at 11 on Big Fox, TCU against the ninth-ranked Texas Longhorns at DKR Memorial Stadium in Austin. Texas, not overly impressive in Lubbock against the Red Raiders last week, took a multiple touchdown come-from-behind victory with under six minutes left, a two-point conversion and an overtime victory over the Red Raiders. Well, I think we all picked Texas, except for Tim in this one, did you watch any of that game with the Red Raiders and the Horns last week? Oh, yeah. I, I ducked out. I missed the final, the finish, because I left when Tech – I went to
0: dinner. The Tech was up by – what was it, 16 with four minutes to go? I'm like, they got this. They've upset
2: the Horns. Texas was fortunate to get that out, but they made the plays late to get it done. No question. And uh, a lot of people uh, speculating and and analyzing what J.D. Spielman looked like in his first game as a TCU Horn Frog, not a lot for JD, just two catches, and he had one rush for like nine yards. So, not overly involved in the offense in the first week for the Horn Frogs. All right. Also at eleven, back to the SEC we go. This one on the SEC Network, Missouri and twenty-first ranked Cincinnati. This is a volunteer twelve-point favorite. Tennessee holds on against South Carolina. Uh, the Cox missed a punt opportunity. They uh, forced a punt, bounced off one of the return man's legs. Tennessee jumped on it, was able to kill the clock. Missouri got boat raced by Bama in this one. Um, I think Tennessee's probably the better team. I think all of us picked Tennessee. Where where do you kind of size them up this year under year two with Jeremy Pruitt?
0: Trying to learn how to win again, and that's not easy to do, but having something positive bounce their way like it did in week one could be huge for their confidence. I think they'll play really well tomorrow. Uh, at home, Tigers coming off of a kind of a predictable
2: butt-whipping from Alabama. So I think Tennessee rolls in this one. Okay. Also at 11 on the ACC network, NC State and Pitt. I think we're all expecting Pitt to mm-hmm. win big in that one. Okay, we just talked about the Crimson Tide. They're at home at Bryant, Denny, and Tuscaloosa against the 13th-ranked A&M Aggies. Texas A&M struggled. Uh, quite a bit, surprisingly, with Vanderbilt. Bama, as we mentioned just a second ago, no problems with Mizzou. You, you put much stock into the fact that maybe A&M closed up the book a little bit for Alabama? Yeah, a little bit, although I still don't think A&M's
0: where they think and where a lot of the national people think they are. Everybody wants to push them into that top 10. I can't remember where we had them in our preseason top 25, uh, but they, I, I just don't think they're quite ready to slug it out with the top-notch teams in that league. Uh, so I, I don't think – I think we're overselling a and
2: M a a little bit. I think Alabama's in control of that game. Obviously, Alabama a big favorite in this one, and uh, you got to go back to the Johnny Manziel era when A&M was able to last beat them, and that was on the road, but – uh, it'll be a big task for Jimbo Fisher's Aggies at 2:30 on CBS. Also at 2:30 on over on ABC, 12th-ranked North Carolina at Chestnut Hill taking on the Eagles of Boston College. Combined three and zero between the two teams. North Carolina off last week due to COVID. Um, I think Sam Howell's probably the best player on the field in this one. That that gives me the the edge to North Carolina. But I'm expecting kind of a sloppy game. I, I agree with you. Wasn't it Clemson that went up there a couple years ago and barely got out alive? And Florida it's, State can
0: never went up there. No, I think this is a really tight game, and Carolina's only played one and has had several weeks off. I think they're a little rusty. I think this is going to be one to keep an eye on tomorrow.
2: Also at 2.30, this one on ESPN+, Plus, probably where it belongs, is the Bulls of South Florida at Nippert in Cincinnati, taking on the Bearcats, ranked 15th 2-0 is Cincinnati And I don't know that this one requires much conversation. I think we're all expecting the Bearcats with a big victory in conference in the American. Also at 2-30 in Lawrence, expecting a big win and a 3-0 and start for the 17th-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys. This one in Lawrence, but I don't think that really matters. Pokes nearly a uh, three-touchdown favorite, over a three-touchdown favorite against the Jayhawks in this one. Now, this one does have my attention. 230 ESPN2, line is even, over-under 74.5. I don't think it matters who the two teams are, but we'll tell you anywhere. Down in Dallas, 25th-ranked Memphis against SMU, an even line with a projected point total of 75. Yeah, I'll watch that. Should be
0: an entertaining game. And Memphis is another team that's got a lot of rust on them right now. SMU's played two more games. Will that be a help to them? It can't
2: hurt. Uh, You're right. That will be at least a check-in game. And that all leads up to the nightcaps. We got some good ones starting at six thirty in the SEC. This one on ESPN between the Hedges, the Dogs, fourth-ranked Georgia at home against seventeenth-ranked Auburn. Uh, Tigers victorious last week against Kentucky. Georgia gets a win over Arkansas, albeit very sloppy. Um, you're, you're pretty big on the unders on this one, yeah? Well, yeah, that was one of our. Buy-sell questions.
0: I think you have two really good defenses here. Georgia's offense didn't look great last week. Uh, Auburn's has been known to sputter as well, though they have a new OC that's maybe helping that out a little bit. I think, yeah, I think this is a kind of a bare-knuckle type fight between these two
2: tomorrow. Should be good. It'll be a bare-knuckle fight just for one side. The other team will uh, just brace for impact as the 11th-ranked UCF Knights, also at 630 on ESPN2, taking on Tulsa did get Oklahoma State a run for their money in week one at Boone Pickens in Stillwater but I'm not expecting an effort quite like that again from Tulsa on the road once again in Orlando also at 630 uh, alternate SEC uh, channel you get the story in the SEC from week one the 16th ranked Bulldogs of Mississippi State and coach Mike Leach against the Arkansas Razorbacks again gave Georgia a fight but I don't know that we're expecting that one to be all that close between the Hogs and the Dogs. Also at 6.30 on ABC and Ames, 18th-ranked Oklahoma licking their wounds from a Wildcat upset of K-State in Norman last week, and Iowa State a disappointing 1-1 one and one to, to start the year. My confidence, Oklahoma, not real high right now. I mean, I think it's, that's the obvious thing to say. Where, where are you at on what you saw last week from the Sooners? Yeah, they've still got issues on defense,
0: and the young quarterback, when he got pressured and needed to make plays for them, didn't make them. Now, having said that, I've been on that Iowa State bandwagon for a couple years ago. I thought Adam Rittenberg had the perfect comment a few weeks ago. He goes, I've broken up with Iowa State. I'm kind of back to where Iowa State needs to show me again that they're ready to take down a big boy. So I'll lean Oklahoma
2: in this one. Iowa State's got to prove it to me. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's a fair assessment very much so. All right, also a 630 alternate SEC channel on the network, 20th-ranked LSU uh, dropping like a lead balloon in the polls after a loss to Mississippi State at home. They're on the road in Nashville taking on Vanderbilt, who just did not have a very good showing offensively. Uh, this should be a bounce-back game for LSU, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. The Tigers a 21-point favorite here. Go LSU. Yeah, I don't know that. That one's particularly close, as is our final game on the ACC network. Virginia in first-ranked Clemson. Clemson a four-touchdown favorite in that one. So those here match up with ranked teams and where you can find them on television and very soon we'll add some Big Ten games to the mix in that one. Alright, NBA action Uh, early in the first quarter Game 2, Lakers with a 6 point lead over the Heat. They lead that series one game to none. It will be Game 3 Sunday night at 6.30 on ABC. Not too optimistic, Greg. Not only did the Heat get beat down by the Lakers in Game 1, they lost a couple of players uh, with Dragic and with Bam. So I'm not optimistic about tonight, and you're down 2-0 against the Lake Show. Probably not in the cards this year. You will, you will not be having the NBA on your weekend preview for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, four months, five months, whatever, whatever yeah. it may be? Yeah. So, uh, LeBron trying for another championship against the team he once played for, the Miami Heat, looking like the Lakers will be in control after what should be a 2-0 lead after tonight. Sadly... Fellas, no Major League Baseball this Mm-mm. weekend as the Division Series will, uh, will that happen to me, on would Monday. I know, right? Explain I mean, that to me.
0: I can't. <laughs> I mean... You just don't want to go ahead to have a football. Maybe that's it. Maybe, and that's okay. They they've owned these midweek windows. I mean, they, it's been baseball wall to wall the last since Tuesday, and it's been great. So maybe it's maybe this is smart on their part. Just get everybody to those bubble locations. Get them, let them settle in a little bit, and then pick up owning the the dial on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday next week.
2: Although there is no baseball this weekend, we'll get you updated on uh, something that just happened in the NLDS in Game 3 between San Diego and St. Louis. Eric Hosmer doubled home. Fernando Tatis, who doubled earlier in the inning, and San Diego up 1-0 in the top of the sixth in Game 3 there. Uh, Just because we won't be on with you uh, before then, there's just two matchups already set for Monday. It's the Astros and the Athletics and the Yankees and the Rays. Both of those series will begin on TBS, so a little bonus coverage on the weekend preview, although this is not technically happening on the weekend. We do know those matchups in places uh, for you at least on Monday. let's jump into the National Football League. Shall we heard from Ian Rappaport, the NFL network, last hour talking about uh, the game won uh, last night between uh, the Jets and the Broncos. Broncos get their first win. Jets fall to 0 and four. Starting first at noon on CBS, Colts and Bears. The Chicago somehow 3 and 0. You heard Ian and I talking about that. Just not something we expected at all with Chicago and how poorly they've played. Colts three point favorite, and this one on the road at Soldier Field. That seems odd, too. You got a 3 and 0
0: Bears team at home, and they're a dog. Yeah. something Something's up when you see that.
2: Vegas uh, odds makers very much um, taking notice of how Chicago has played in the first weeks of the season. The Bengals 1-2 on the year against the 0-2-1. How dumb does that sound? Cincinnati Bengals at Paul Brown and Cincy. Joe Burrow trying to get his first win as an NFL quarterback. My opinion probably should have happened last week.
0: Yeah, that was their chance, and, and they, they just couldn't get it done. That was an ugly football game with them in
2: Philadelphia. It was indeed. Uh, Browns and Cowboys. Browns 2-1, and one, Cowboys 1-2. One and two. Cowboys nearly a five-point favorite. And this one, that one, on Fox. Also on Fox, New Orleans Saints uh, coming off a tough loss at home against the Detroit, or excuse me, against the Green Bay Packers. Will battle the Detroit Lions, another NFC North opponent for the Saints at noon on Fox. Their defense is just a nightmare, and doesn't get any better as Marshawn Lattimore, former Buckeye corner and All Pro, uh, sounds like he's dealing with a bit of an injury. So uh, Saints favored by three, but who knows? I think that's as good of a coin flip. Uh, the way the Lions played last week against Arizona. Also at noon, you've got the Seahawks, who are 3-0 on the road at the 1-2 Miami Dolphins. Uh, This one on Fox as well. Uh, Seattle a five-point favorite in this one. I think Seattle wins probably pretty comfortably in this one, although they lost running back Chris Carson for a couple of weeks to a knee sprain. Also at noon, this one on CBS. Uh, you've got a team in the Los Angeles Chargers who are trying to figure out their situation at quarterback against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No quarterback controversy here as Tom Brady throws a couple of touchdown passes like last week to Mike Evans. Could be an interesting game. Tampa Bay uh, all the way up to a seven-point favorite, though. That seems a lot, but they I, I like the look of that team. I love all those Huskers
0: on that team. Uh, they've kind of become... I hate to say this and don't let Tim know it,
2: but I've kind of become a Buccaneer fan. I like this. It's just too hard for me seeing Brady out there. I know there's former Huskers, and I'm rooting for all those guys to do well as always, but it's really hard to root for that quarterback, just throwing that out there.
0: <laughs> welcome also, to the dark
2: side, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, never, never, Tim. The lights are always on. Uh, at noon on CBS, you've got the Ravens who are coming off a tough, vict- tough loss, I should say, to the Kansas City Chiefs. Mar Jackson throws for just 97 yards last Monday night against Kansas City. They'll take on the Washington football team, who is just one and two, and sounds like Terry McLaurin, their star wide receiver, again former Buckeye, might be injured uh, for this game. So Dwayne Haskins, who threw three picks last week, could be without his top target in Washington. Also at noon on Fox. Speaking of top targets being questionable, how about DeAndre Hopkins? questionable game time decision for Arizona this would be a complete game changer for Kyler Murray he has been a safety blanket has nuke for the new quarterback I think he's averaging 15 targets a game through the first three games for Arizona Panthers won't feel sorry for them though as they will be again once again without Christian McCaffrey Cardinals and Panthers Cardinals a three-point favorite on Fox I asked Ian this question last hour I'll ask you the same question Greg 0 and three Vikings 0 and three Texans which one's more surprising Texans, even though that schedule was a killer out of the gate for them, but they're still
0: a really good team. The Vikings have been puzzling and just apparently not very good because they shouldn't there's no reason they should be 0-3 right now. What are your thoughts on Kirk Cousins?
2: Way overrated, way overpaid. Yep. Very inconsistent too, production wise, as a starting quarterback in the NFL. All right, let's get to the evening game. Shall we at 305 Giants and Rams at Sofi, brand new in Inglewood? Rams nearly a two-touchdown favorite in this one. That one's going to be a boat race. You just got to watch that one for 20 minutes until the 325 games start. And, boy, are they good ones. At arrowhead in Kansas City, the New England Patriots on the road taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs a touchdown, whole touchdown favorite in this one and 3-0 and on the season against the 2-1 and Patriots. I- I'm anxious and excited to see how Cam Newton plays against the Chiefs' defense.
0: I think this game's really close. I think the Chiefs have probably been patting themselves on the back all week after winning at
2: Baltimore. And you know New England will have a chip on their shoulder. They'll come in there ready to fight. I think it's a good game. And for the first time, the Chiefs have a short week, Greg. They've had two long weeks by yep. playing on Thursday and then by playing on Monday. This is the first time that they're, they're having to shorten things up. Um, and they'll have to do so against a very good New England team. Also at 325, AFC East against AFC West. This time it's the Buffalo Bills, 3-0 and at Allegiant Stadium, taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. Bills, a three-point favorite in this one. I think we're going to find out how, how good Vegas is in this. I, I think we're, we're pretty confident in, in how we feel about Buffalo. I think there's still some questions about what we see uh, against Vegas, uh, with Vegas, but I'm expecting this one to be pretty close. I do, too. Buffalo's been, to me, the, maybe the biggest surprise. Not that they, we didn't think they'd
0: be good. They were a playoff team a year ago, but they maybe have taken that next step to a team that can make a deep
2: run in the playoffs now. No doubt. And we'll finish it up with Sunday night football, right? Carrie Underwood singing to us at 7.15 every Sunday. Great part of the day. Philadelphia 0 and one against Nick Mullins, the former Southern Miss Golden Eagle. As head of the San Francisco offense and the San Francisco 49ers at 2-1. and one. This one at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara on NBC. Boy, Carson Wentz, he is uh, taking a beating this week with national media. Not Has not been good, he, and he's another guy like Kirk Cousins
0: not living up to that big contract that he has signed. That is a tough sports town.
2: When you are paid and not performing, they're going to get all over him. He needs something positive to happen. Yes, and a big stage, too. That is going to be a microscope on him Sunday night against the defending NFC champion, San Francisco 49ers. Finally, some good news for San Francisco on the injury front, by the way. Sounds like Debo Samuel will give it a go. Sounds like uh, George Kittle will give it a go. So two good uh, receiving options for Nick Mullen. Sounds like we'll give it a try on Sunday night, and that does it for the NFL. Let's go to the track next. We'll hear more. Uh, on the Preakness in our next segment from Andy Weingarten breaking down the horses. But uh, this is the second leg of the Triple Crown, and yeah, what are you expecting? What are you expecting well, with the uh, with the with the Preakness? I, I don't know. I need to hear more from him. Authentic is
0: in this. Authentic won the Derby uh, last month. The Bob Baffert horse beat Tis the Law. Tis the Law won the Belmont. Not in the field. Uh, So, Authentic, a big favorite. Let's see what Andy, if he pegs him to win this or not. He's not a big favorite guy. He did go with a favorite in the Derby with Tiz the Law, and he got nudged by a a length by
2: Authentic. So, we'll see the breakdown from Andy here coming up. Post time, 4.36 Central Time on NBC. Go watch yourself some horse racing. Decent MMA fight this weekend as well. The Women's Bantamweight Championship on the line. Holly Holm against Aldana. Uh, this one on ESPN, ESPN Plus, where you can find this one. So the main card, Decent Fights. has been fights pretty much every week uh, the last month or so. Um, so Decent Fight with the uh, name Brandon Holly Holm. Yes, famous for her fight with Ronda Rousey. And Greg also this weekend finished it up with some French Open third round of the tennis championship uh, on the Tennis Channel. And you can watch it all day for you tennis snobs, 5 a.m. to 3 p.m., um, all day on the Tennis Channel. The third round on Saturday and fourth round beginning on Sunday. So, it's
0: kind of lost on the Tennis Channel, doesn't it? I mean, sure you just don't know, where, don't know where to find it. Yeah.
2: Buried. Good.
0: All right, appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. That's your, that's your weekend preview. We're back. Sports Nightly here on a Friday night. Tomorrow, this kind of snuck up on me this week. You have the final leg of... Horse racing's Triple Crown with the Preakness, and our handicapper, Andy Weingarten, joins us from Louisville. I forgot all about this. I'll be honest with you, Andy, about Tuesday. are you Have you been able to keep track of this? Well, a little bit, but,
6: you know, a little bit of the luster is off because there's no Triple Crown uh, on the line, and it's in the 1st of October. So, <laughs> I mean, we we'll keep track of it, but uh, there's not. Nationally, I don't think there's a whole lot of excitement for this race. There really isn't.
0: Let's go back to the derby. You had Tiz the law and I know I know I've known you long enough to know you don't like picking the favorite, but you just thought it was too too much to not take him. He got beat by a length by authentic. What made the difference in that race in your eyes?
6: I I think Authentic just had the better day. There were no excuses at all. Tisdall had a perfect run, and I thought at the quarter pole when he was starting to kind of ease up on him, I thought he was going to catch him, and he just didn't. He kind of faded a little bit. and I've noticed the last two or three races that when he runs down the stretch, he has a tendency to kind of look to the right a little bit. He's not focused. It didn't really matter in the two previous races. It looked like it mattered a lot in the Derby, and I think that kind of cost him. But there was no excuses. Had an easy trip, had a good trip, just didn't catch him.
0: And there you go, another Bob Baffert winner, right? I mean, man, that yeah. is almost, you can almost mark it down every year, right? He is
6: uh, he's the best at it, that's
0: for sure. Nobody's close right now. All right, let's jump into this field. The Pringness, uh, give, give us the lowdown on this race. What are some things we need to know about this race? Well, this one's a, it's, it's
6: interesting. I think it's wide open, actually. Uh, first of all, of course, Tis the Law, they've decided not to run him since there's no Triple Crown on the line. But uh, Authentic will be in the race. In fact, Authentic is the favorite right now. And after the Derby, why not? Uh, there is a Philly that is... Uh, Going to run in the race. So, uh, Swiss Skydiver, who uh, finished second in the Kentucky Oaks, uh, has run a couple of races against the boys, hasn't beaten them yet, but has been uh, at least competitive, so uh, there's an interesting twist there. And there's a lot more speed in this race. You know, Authentic got out to the lead in the Derby so easily uh, and basically was never threatened. That's not going to be the case here. And, And not only is there speed in the race, there's good speed. Most of the horses that at least are picked, to compete in this race are all speed horses, and they will all get after him. I don't, He won't get the easy fractions
0: and the, and the easy lead that he got in the Derby. All right, how about the weather conditions in Baltimore tomorrow for this?
6: Looks fine. Uh, looks like it should be a fast track, uh, maybe a little light rain, they've said, from time to time, but uh, no heavy rain should be in the 60s, and you know uh, a nice, I guess, fall day as opposed to a uh, mid-spring day for the Preakness. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no doubt. All right, uh let's go through your picks. Let's go with your okay. show horse. I I I like I said this race is wide
6: open. And so I've I'm pretty confident that my top 3 are going to be something that very few of anybody, any but any people have. But I went with Pneumatic for the show horse. Pneumatic is a nice long shot. Uh, I liked him in the Belmont and actually ran pretty well kind of faded at the end, but uh uh, finished fifth, I believe, but was right up there until the last uh, quarter mile. Uh, has run well since then. Did not run in the derby. Kind of uh, took that one off and, and prepped for this race. And I think he's due for a strong finish uh, after uh, taking the derby off. So the 20-to-1 shot pneumatic is my third
0: choice. Steve Osmonson is the trainer. He's got three horses in this race, along with Excessive and Max Player. Okay, how about your place? Well, if I, I like Steve Asmussen as a trainer, and I've got him in third. I've also got him
6: in second. I think Ooh. Max Player, another long shot, finishes second. Max Player uh, uh, ran well in the derby, kind of faded at the end, but other than that, race has been in the money in every other race the horse has run. Doesn't win a lot, so I didn't pick him to win, but I think he's a game horse. He'll be closing at the end, uh, and since I think this is a speed duel uh among several horses i think it sets up pretty well for closers at the end to at least get in the uh, getting the money so i put max player as number two
0: was that one of your derby horses i think it might have been was it
6: he was yeah that was the yeah. one derby horse that i got on the board that uh, that i put on there uh you know i got Law on the board but yeah i also had Max player in there
0: yeah very good all right who do you see as the winner tomorrow well, here it's here's the interesting twist. You mentioned
6: at the top of the uh, uh, of our talk how uh, Bob Baffert never uh, uh, never seems to disappoint. He's always up there in the money. He got the Derby with Authentic. I think he's going to get the Preakness, but it's going to be his other horse. I'm going with Thousand Words Whoa. to win. Now Thousand Words was training really well leading up to the Derby, and of course he had that stumble. Um, in the paddock, and they had to scratch him at the last minute. He didn't get hurt. He was fine. Uh, they say he's trained really well. Uh, six to one, at least in the morning line, it's not really a huge long shot. He's probably one of the top four or five, and I think it sets up well for him. He'll be a stalker. He'll probably be third or fourth around most of the race, take the lead at the, uh, at the quarter pole, and uh, run in and uh, just beat off Max Player and Pneumatic
0: He'll just be out in front of them. So a Baffert horse, but not authentic. You don't have authentic on the board. How about that? I
6: don't have authentic on the board. I don't have the Philly on the board. And the other one that a lot of people like is Art Collector, uh, who would have been the second choice in the Derby had he, had he run. But that horse hasn't run now in about three months. And I just don't think you come back after a three-month layoff uh, and run a race like this. So I've got the top three off the board. Uh, as I've said many times before, take my trifecta, and if you can win, you can retire.
0: <laughs> very good Andy we appreciate it thank you so much for spending some time with us let's hope we get this horse racing schedule back on schedule next year
6: yeah well hopefully we'll get to do this again in seven months and congratulations that you've got football coming back to the big Woo-hoo. 10 about time
0: Andy we appreciate it thank you sir
5: okay take care
0: Welcome back. Sports on a Friday night. We like to end the week with our winners and losers segment. I'm going to go reverse order from our top 25 picks. So, Austin, you get to lead us off.
4: What an honor. Thank you. I'll start off with my loser of the week. It's a pretty general one. Central division baseball. Not been a great week for either the AL or the NL. Central on the AL side. The White Sox lose to the A's. The Twins swept out of the postseason again. Then the Indians fall to the Yankees. On the NL side, the Cardinals are trailing San Diego in a winner-take-all game. The Marlins beat the Cubs, and the Dodgers beat the Brewers, not to mention the Braves beating the Reds. So not a great week for Central Division baseball. Sticking in baseball for my winner, Clayton Kershaw's World Gem. Yesterday, eight innings, 13 strikeouts. Dodgers look like they're well on their way to a ring. Good.
0: Tim?
3: Yeah, my loser of the week goes to Mr. Adam Gase. He has the noble distinction of coaching one of the worst NFL teams I've seen in living memory. Uh, Bad hire to begin with, looking even worse by the day. Uh, My winner of the week, the Miami Marlins for sending the Cubbies packing. Always a good time to see the Cubs walk home in shame. And uh, as we learned last night, they haven't lost a postseason series. Pretty impressive
2: run for Miami. Yeah, Ben. Ben. Tim, it would appear though that your Cardinals are uh, about to hit the shame walk themselves. Don't declare in, their uh, death so soon. Yeah, we'll go off very, here very very soon. My loser is the Atlanta Falcons. They have uh, just been a disaster in the fourth quarter the last few weeks. They are 0 and 3. My winner is my childhood best friend Jordan, who uh, had his battle end with cancer uh, this last weekend. We've all got those fond childhood memories of our best friend. Jordan was mine. There's a reason why I'm so competitive right now. The way that I am, it's it's because of him. And being able to, to celebrate with his family yesterday was uh, was amazing. And his mom Becky and his dad Michael have just been so brave through all this. So my winner, I know you're looking down, buddy. I miss you, love you, and uh, and keep us keep us, keep an eye on us up there well put. All right, my winner is Major League Baseball. What a week. I loved it. I
0: love the three-game series. I know they're not going to keep it at 16, but when they go back to 10, that wild card thing needs to be best of 3, not just a one-game deal. I think we've stumbled into something fun for the future. My loser then the game of jeopardy this week. They had a category about Yankee Stadium, five questions. They were fairly easy. They got one right. I mean, they Ooh. bombed this thing out. It was not good. Go Google it. You'll have some fun watching it. You'll be screaming at your TV on that. What a fun week here on Sports Highly. Enjoy your weekend. We're back to do it all again coming up on Monday. My thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Austin, and to all of you. Greatest games tomorrow. We'll to play back that Pacific game from 1994. Airtime at 1 Central, noon Mountain Time. Have a great weekend.